are listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm Kathy Murphy, a cyclist from Cedar Rapids. Can't wait to hear this new Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz with Ragbri. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycles just for the fun of it. There'll be tales from bicycling across the nation. We'll be joined by guests each week to talk about the social side of cycling. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. All right, this is episode 18 of the Just Go Bike podcast. All right, TJ, what, where are you at tonight? Where, where, have you, uh, where have you been this week? Well, today we're actually in western, or actually eastern Iowa. Jeez, sometimes it's hard to recall. <laughs> we're on the road so much this time of year. Actually, we just got done with the meeting over in Wakan, and we came across a nice little tornado warning. Um, so Ooh. people not familiar in the Midwest, uh, if you haven't experienced a nice little Midwestern tornado warning, then you, you can really enjoy that uh, when you're here. So, um, But uh, it was a little wake-up call just to spend an extra hour out there um, in, a, in a nice little convenience store, grocery store, if you will, in Postville, Iowa. And it, uh, it's one of the towns that we'll be passing through this summer. So, uh, so that was a little uh, interesting evening to start off with. But you know what? Hey, we're going to have those kinds of storms. It's always safe to be out there. I saw a couple of cyclists that were hustling, hustling hard to get to walk on. And they were still <laughs> about five miles out and the storms were, were looming. So uh, I hope those two guys that were pedaling hard, hope, hope they made it back before the storm hit them. You know, Jennifer and I did one of our first big long rides on the tandem once, and uh, we stopped just on the, oh, we were probably five, six miles out of town, and stopped and took a selfie with these really, really cool-looking clouds behind us. And uh, as we're rolling into town, we hear the uh, tornado sirens going off and going, Oh boy, did we almost make a big mistake by stopping and taking a picture? It's it was time to take shelter. So yeah, it can, it yeah, can be I dangerous. understand. There's a reason they filmed that movie Twister, like in Iowa, you know, because it's got some pretty good backdrops to it. Um, so so anyway, it's uh it's uh glad that that storm has passed. I'm sure there'll be some other. So hey, if you're out there riding, you know, use use your head. Be safe and and you know be careful. If you uh, you know if you can't make it make it all the way on that ride you were planning, it's okay. Just just cut it short and be safe and do another ride another day. Um, and speaking of you know making making sure things are safe, I mean this this week is an important week I think to all people that ride the bicycle because we do remember people that aren't out there on rides with us. And this week is also the, the ride of silence throughout the country. And this Wednesday, which will be the 17th, will be the ride of silence. I know there's a big one in Des Moines, Iowa. We plan to be out there. And just um, just want to you know thank Scott Sumter and the folks from Bike Iowa for organizing that for the, you know over a decade, pretty much. And mm-hmm. uh, even if you can't make a ride of silence, even if you can't make the event in Des Moines or wherever your hometown is, you know, take the time to think about uh, those that can't be with us this year or that have that have uh, passed on due to a, either a bicycling fatality or or just, you know, they just can't be with us today. So, um, you know, just think about them, you know, maybe take a moment of silence while you're out on your normal ride and just reflect on, on those that can't be with us. And uh, we'll also have a mile of silence on Ragbri again this summer. 
was a pretty powerful mile this this last year. I know, Mark, you were involved in the Iowa Bike mm-hmm. Coalition, involved with that event. And um, your thoughts on, on Mile of Silence and the Ride of Silence. You know, I thought it was great exposure. I mean, this is, this is the type of ride where, God, you know, I hope we stop reading new names every year. It would be nice to just end the, the fatal crashes. Um, one of my board members, Steve Schertz, is on the National Ride of Silence board, and he helps with uh, organizing the Ride of Silence in Mason City. So I get the opportunity to go up there on Wednesday. Uh, Grace Harkin's family is going to be here now. Grace was killed a couple years ago uh, by a text message driver while she was on her bike. And a terrible, sad story. And and her family's going to be there. We uh, did some legislation around that this year. And so that's going to be nice to have that family there and, and kind of recognize what's going on. But, you know, certainly it's it's the ride that, that we ride because we're riding for people that can't ride anymore. And, and we just don't want to have to do this anymore. So how do we make it stop? That's sure. that's the big question. Yeah. Sure. Well, let's see. On the show today, I think we've got we got a nice uh, interview that, that was done recently. I think you know a little bit about the individual that was interviewed for this week's Just Go Bike podcast. You talked a little bit about this. I think it was last week. Yeah, we had uh, Dr. Reverend uh, Kevin M.G. on, and uh, he's uh, he's from Grinnell, and he uh, he had his fame in Bicycling Magazine this month after doing a Ironman triathlon on a fat tire bike and and that's i got a fat tire bike and i'll tell you 112 miles on that thing is would be a challenge Um, yeah and uh yeah so he's gonna be fun to talk to um so i i'm looking forward to 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 listening to uh, what he's gotta Mm. gotta say to to explain how he's doing it so yeah it's pretty cool awesome and i know we got another edition of parrot talk and she's going to be talking about the ultimate recovery drink, I believe. And I'm not sure if you know what that drink is, Mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the chocolate milk, right? Um, a little harder than that, perhaps. <laughs> so it's always good to hear the Parrot Talks. And uh, if, if you can't pick up something from Andrew's Parrot Talks, you're just not listening. So, so hey, stay tuned. we got a great show coming up. So let's get to it. This is Mark with the Just Go Bike Podcast. We came across a story in Bicycling Magazine that uh, many people have been talking about. Um, Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Kevin M.G. Uh, from Grinnell uh, competed in the Texas Ironman uh, just uh, at the end of April. And he didn't do it like most Ironman triathletes. He did it on a fat bike. So it's not your aero bike on skinny wheels that's built for speed. This is a four-inch tire with knobbies and uh, weighs quite a bit and did 112 miles uh, to complete the Ironman course. That is in addition to a swim and a marathon afterwards. I'd, right. like, I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Reverend Kevin M.G. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. How was it? Well, uh, unfortunately, it was a very, very windy day, and uh, I've got a time trial bike, and that would have been a wiser thing for that day, <laughs> but I really came down there. 
uh, it was a fairly flat course, and I was thinking to myself, if I'm ever going to do this crazy thing, that would be the course to do it on. And I was there last year with my time trial bike, and I thought I had seen a fat tire bike at Ironman Wisconsin in the transition zone a couple years ago, and that, of course, got me thinking, geez, maybe I ought to do that. <laughs> and I got a fat tire bike last year, and uh, especially living in Iowa doing a, a, an April Ironman, yes. Even though it was a mild winter, you're, you're faced with snow and wind and rain, and and uh, so I, I thought, well, if I'm ever going to do this, uh, I'm going to have to do it on a fat tire bike if I'm going to train during the winter, and one thing led to another, and I just thought it'd be an interesting experiment to see if I could do the swim and bike portion within 10 hours, and that's the time limit for those two uh, two portions of the race didn't give much thought to the uh, marathon afterwards because I really just wanted to complete those two portions. And then I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, it ended up being a lot tougher day than I, than I envisioned. But I did get, I biked quite a bit faster than I had in training. And cause I put a lot out on the bike thinking, I really want to see if I could do those two components and then we'll see what happens on the marathon thinking that, well, maybe I could just walk through the marathon easily and, not really think about it. So it was it was tough. But that was how I got there is I just saw that a couple of years ago and thought, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen it done before. And I just thought, yeah, I've done nine of these and this was my 10th one. So I was kind of looking for something else to do with all my injuries and surgery. I really can't get too much faster. And so I was just kind of looking for something else to do that was kind of unique and kind of uh, ideally fun. And uh, so it, it turned out to be a fun time. I had a good time on the bike, and it was really quite an experience. Now, the the picture in Bicycling Magazine, and this is a podcast, so people can't see that, but it, it was that classic moment where it appears you're passing another rider, and he's giving you that look like, what on earth is going past me at this point? Yeah, uh, and, and actually, he's going past me because you pass on the left. Okay, okay, that's fair but enough. It, but it just happened to be that just one of those classic pictures that went viral on the Internet. And I've never been involved in anything that went viral like this. And it was just a, an amazing thing to be in. But that picture was such a classic as, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and and it, it just says it all. It was kind of while I, why I was there. And that those questions came all weekend long as, what made you do this? And, and why did you do this? And all that sort of thing. But it really was a unique challenge and uh and something i've never never done before and but it's kind of fun riding that bike and yeah. it's just kind of a fun bike you don't worry about getting a flat you don't worry about where you're going basically you know if you hit a bump here or there that's okay you just kind of roll with things with a fat tire bike so it's kind of an easy easy way to not have to worry about flats and so forth now most people that would ride a fat tire they probably the first question out of their mouth is what sort of tire pressure were you running to uh to do this event yeah, I, I was running about a 25, which I know is, is a bit over what you're supposed to run in fat tire bikes. In fact, it was it was 10 over what I ran all winter long, you know, with snow and and uh, and just normal pressures. But, you know, I, I wanted to keep the knobby tires on. I, I wanted to do everything stock. And so and it was also a very heavy bike. It was weighed about 32 pounds with nothing on it. Uh, but I didn't want to get a carbon fiber frame. I didn't want to get slick tires. I just kind of wanted to go to my local bike store, get a fat tire bike, and just whatever it gave me, just do it with that. Right. 
And, you know, I'm sure there would have been, if I'd gotten a carbon fiber frame and get slicks on it, you know, could have gone faster and maybe completed the marathon on time. But I really just wanted to do a, an every man's kind of, this is the bike I got at my local bike shop. Now let's just take it to the Ironman and see what we can do. Nice. And, and that's what I did. Nice. How did the body hold up? Now, I, I have a fat bike and I know the bottom bracket is a little bit wider and so my mm-hmm. hips really feel it if I put a lot of distance in. Did you adjust, or had you trained enough on that bike that it was it was pretty second second nature to I you? Rode, well, I have a I have an old race bike on my trainer, so I, I did use some of that. But I tried to get outside on that, not a hundred percent of the time, but as much as I possibly could. And all of my long rides were on that the Raccoon River Trail, which is fairly flat in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rode that a lot. Uh, because this course was very flat. So, no, I tried to use it 100% of the time just because I know it is it's just much more difficult, and I knew I needed to be a lot stronger than I would for, say, my Trek time trial bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I knew I was going to have to do a lot of... Uh, Oh, a lot of uh, uh, leg work in the in, in weights and stuff like that to try and get myself stronger to try and complete this. Um, the the problem for me is I usually pace myself fairly well, knowing what that marathon is going to be like after after 112 miles and a 2.4 mile swim. But that really wasn't my goal to complete. I mean, I wanted to complete the whole thing within 17 hours. Mm-hmm. But my real goal was just to see what that would be like to do this on a fat tire bike. And with such bad headwinds, the, a lot of the way it was just it was. I, I put it all out there on the bike. I tried to keep myself going uh, as fast as I could, and and uh, and then I, I thought, well, if I get done, I'll I'll try to run through them. And I did. I completed the marathon. It took me 17 hours and 10 minutes to complete the course, and the limit is 17 hours. Oh. But I had started the swim earlier because they have a wave start. And so I finished before midnight, and technically, or classically, the Ironman is 7 a.m. to midnight. So it looked like I finished. I got a medal and all the medals and finisher stuff. But when I got back and looked it up on the computer and found out that I'd actually gone over 17 hours, the next morning I had to take all my finisher stuff back and my medal because I couldn't live with uh, that to me would be cheating. Well, yeah. So I, I took it back, and they tried to talk me into keeping it because it was only 10 minutes over, and it was with a fat tire bike and all this. But I, I've got nine medals that are staring me in the face, and I, I couldn't accept one where I didn't complete the course in the time that it took me. I mean, I, I, I considered myself having finished the race but not having completed it within the time limits given, and so I didn't take the medal. And, you know, it leaves it up. I can maybe try it again. And, uh, and if I get it in 17 hours, I'll surely take the medal and the finisher stuff then. I didn't feel right about that. So as a nine, as a nine time finisher, does that, you still got 10 on the horizon, right? So you're, you're still looking to get that, uh, that number 10 medal. Oh, I've got two more this year. Uh, one in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and then, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which is just so close. I always do that one. And those are very hilly. I'm going to do yeah. those with my time trial bike, kind of step back and, you know, do it the old-fashioned way. And then we'll see what happens next year at Texas. I've ridden, uh, the, I've ridden the horribly hilly hundreds, which I believe is, is very similar to that Wisconsin course. And that is a brutal hilly course. It, it really is. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a short, heavy, aging triathlete and you know i know my limits and i know in wisconsin there'd be no way i could take a heavy 
fat tire bike and do that. So I'm reasonable in, in, in the, the limits that I have with my own body and my aging and so forth. And so I'm not going to do the next two Ironmans with this fat tire bike. I'm going to do them the way I always do and try to pace myself, get through the bike and get on that run and, and complete them by 17 hours the way I always have. But, you know, for some, for your 10th one, it's just something fun to do. So and, what, it, and it was a lot of fun. What was the advantage of the Texas course? What made you decide this is the one you were going to do it on? It's flat. Ah. Very flat. So, and so it, it was either there or never. Florida <laughs> is also flat, but I've never done that course. But, uh, no, the ones I do, uh, that really was the one to do it. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. uh but you had heat to contend with too. That was uh, something that no, you probably didn't was, train in. Uh, well, but it was it was in the eighties. It wasn't like in the nineties and so forth. But you're right. I wasn't acclimated to that. So actually, I you know if, if it was perfect, I'd have them do it in August when it works out for me in Iowa. But that's not the case. And that was part of the challenge: is can I compete in an Ironman in April? when I live in Iowa in the winter. Now, granted, we had a good winter for training outdoors, but still, you're wearing four layers all the time, heated gloves, and it just you get tired of riding in the snow and the wind and, and all of that. And I was, I was ready for this event to be done, and I was ready for us to get some nice weather. Uh, now, I understand Ironman triathletes, at least the ones that I know, you know, really measure their life in grams. So your fellow competitors had to be just thrown off their game when uh, when they saw you at the line with this. Yeah, there was a lot of comments on the Internet. I mean, there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of responses. And most of them were very, very positive. Some, some uh, would suggest that this is kind of a stupid thing to do. Uh, but, but, you know... Uh, it was for me. It was just a fun time, and it was. It's uh, and it's not to be disrespectful of those that really do. You know, really take this so seriously that you know try to shave seconds off their time by lightening up their bikes and things like that. But for for a middle of the age uh, group, uh, uh, age group athlete my, like myself, was kind of a run of the mill, kind of in the middle to the back of the pack kind of guy. You know, I don't have those same pressures to really perform. I want to have fun. I want to do something unique now and then and just enjoy the ambience of the place. It's really an exciting time yeah. uh, to be there. And so that's what, I, that's what I'm looking for is that camaraderie with all those people. And then, of course, having a fat tire bike there kind of made you an instant celebrity. And so that was fun in and of itself. I had no time goals, you know, except to finish. And mm -hmm. I did have a, a swim bike goal to try and finish in 10 hours and 30 minutes, which was easily done, or well, I shouldn't say easily done, but was done. And then, and then the marathon was just a real tough, tough time for me. Time, lonely, and uh, it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle to get through there. But I knew I couldn't stop because I couldn't face myself. I I said they could pull me off the course, mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't stop on my own, no matter how long it took. And uh, so uh, that's that's what ended up happening. And again, it was before midnight, but not quite within the time limit. And that's just fine. I, I went into this fully expecting that I certainly may not uh, finish in the time frame and get a medal and so forth. And that was a little tough because, you know, you've done nine out of nine. You've never not done it. But all it takes is a couple flats and you could also not finish, too. Right, right. And so I thought... You know, for the 10th one, I don't care if I finish it or not. I'm really more for the adventure, the training, 
And, and then, sure, if I get a medal, fine, I've got ten instead of nine. But, you know, after a while, it's not about the medal, it's about the journey. Absolutely. And, and I don't know if I could have said that the first few years when I did these early on, because I was really excited about finishing, and 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 that's that was fine. But now I'm kind of just about the journey. Does this journey mean something to me? Not just in training, not just in the Ironman, but in life. How do I take these upsets, these uh, failures, and uh, since I failed to finish this course within the allotted time, how do I deal with that? Did I give it everything I had, and am I okay with my performance that particular day? Absolutely. Now, I did something that hasn't been done very often, and especially with a body like mine, and uh, and I gave it what I could, and so I'm very satisfied with the result of not finishing because I, first of all, came close, I completed the course, and I did the swim bike within the time frame that was given me and uh, had a lot of fun doing it and a lot of excitement. So I, I'm very satisfied with this race. It was one of the funnest times I've had in the Ironman. Nice, nice. So what brought you to doing triathlons and bicycling? Um. I, uh, let's see, I did uh, my first triathlon in 1982, the Big Creek Triathlon in Des Moines, uh, in medical school. We had a group of us that were, in the summertime, were just, we were running, and a lot of people were running in those days. Mm-hmm. Running was really getting taken hold, and we, uh, and a, a number of us did ragbri way back in 88, in the early 80s, and I loved that. Um, I, I was not a good swimmer. I flunked swimming twice as a child. In my first triathlon, I was so panicked that I kept my head out of the water and the rescue boat had to follow me the whole time. So that uh, that had been for years a real problem, and I eventually overcame that to where now I just glide through this swim and I'm relaxed and I get out of it, and then I go on to the bike. So I've always been kind of fitness-oriented. It uh, wasn't a, a good football player or uh, wrestler or anything, but I did like uh, things like jogging and running and 10Ks when those came out and marathoning. Uh, My first marathon, my dad and my brother ran it with me, so it's always been kind of a family thing. My wife runs a lot with me, and so it's a family-oriented thing. That's fantastic. I, you know, I got to say, I'm just amazed. I'm, I'm glad we were able to hear about your story because, uh, you know, for us, uh, uh, the philosophy on the Just Go Bike podcast is people should just get out there and go bike. And, and, and it really doesn't have to be for grams and times and seconds and, and that sort of thing. So I think, uh, I think when we saw your story, that really kind of embodied the uh, just get out there and have fun. Exactly. That's exactly what this was. I knew, I know I'm never going to win my age group unless I'm in the you know upper 80s or 90s. Then I may. But other than that, it's really about the ambiance of being at that place, having a good time, and, and triathletes seem to have a lot of fun. And uh, you know, there are some very very serious athletes there, and it's a wonderful sport in that way. But there's also those of us who are age groupers that are in the middle and the back of the pack. And we just, we just have a good time. When it gets dark, we're supporting each other. We're asking, what can I get you to help you through it? I know we're all suffering together. And so the later you're out there, it's a real close, tight-knit group because we know there's only a few of us out there, and we're all cold and tired and want to be done with this. But there's a special, there's a special feeling when you're out there with all this. So it's actually, it's actually nice being out there late 
is because there's a special group out there that we all know we're suffering. Everyone else has finished, had their showers, and are in bed by then. We're still out there trucking away, just having a good time. We're just, we're just thankful to be healthy enough to be there and just have the time of our lives. Perfect. Kevin M.G., thanks for joining us on the Just Go Bike Podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me a buzz. Oh, hello there. This is Andrea Parrott. Let's do a Parrot Talk. Today's question is an excellent question I got from someone called Marion County Mike. And he wants to know, is it true that beer is among the best recovery beverages? And if so, why? Also, is there any truth that pedaling allows you to sober up faster? Interesting. Let's get into it. So first of all, I should probably remind you that I am in no way a medical professional. In no way. All of this is just coming from anecdotal evidence or some Googling I just did, so take that as you will. I should also say that bicycling is something that can be enjoyed with or without beer. It's up to you. It's kind of however you want to do it. And if you do drink beer while biking, drink beer like the responsible adult you are or are trying to be. So drinking beer and biking seems to be kind of a good news, bad news situation. I'm somebody who always likes the bad news up front, so I'm going to start with that. Basically, the arguments are that alcohol will cause you to be dehydrated because it's a diuretic. It's going to make you pee a lot, but so is water. I also saw some studies online, cannot verify if they were scientific or not, but they looked scientific, that it really doesn't have that much of an effect on actually how much you pee and what is actually contained in that pee. So... Not to get too gross about it, but if you're already hydrating as much as you should be hydrating while you're on the bike, you probably will be okay. Maybe drink another extra water bottle when you're done just to kind of make sure you're still hydrating. The other argument against drinking alcohol while cycling is that the alcohol will process in your system first, taking away time to process for the good electrolytes, fat, and proteins that need to be processing. At least that was my really general understanding, basic understanding. So from that side of the coin, is beer the ultimate recovery drink? Some people would say no. And those people are party poopers. Those people have clearly not drank 15 bottles of sugary Gatorade followed by sugary chocolate milk followed by super bland water for the eighth time in a row. Sometimes you just really want something savory, something really deliciously hoppy. And if you think about it, there's a reason why there are there's a beer bus along Ragbright, or there are bars popping up along bike trails all over the place. It's because when you drink a beer, you relax a little bit. It gives you time to just unwind a little bit before the Advil starts working and just sort of take the edge off of the pain that can be from cycling. I also saw somewhere that low alcohol content would be better for helping you recover because you'll get more of the benefits of the electrolytes and whatever carbs are in the beer because your body's spending less time digesting the alcohol. Then again, you may drink more of those beers. So it kind of is a give and take situation. Now, as far as will biking help you sober up faster? As far as I can tell, in no way will it help you sober up faster. Really the only thing that will help you sober up faster is time and water. But then again, if you're biking and you're drinking lots of water like you should be while you're biking, doesn't that sound like time and water? I mean, you'll be slowly recovering as you head home on your bicycle. 
So to sum it all up, I guess what my advice would be is if you're someone who never drinks beer, you don't like beer, don't drink beer while you're bicycling. Drink something else as a recovery drink like milk or Gatorade or whatever. If you have the occasional beer and you enjoy beer or you really like beer and you're on a long bike ride and you're kind of hurting and you're halfway there, why don't you go ahead and try having a beer with your friends? See if it doesn't just cheer you up and help the rest of the bike ride go by just a little bit faster and a little bit more painlessly. So that's it for today's Parrot Talk. Um, if you have any questions you'd like to ask me or if you'd like to talk about anything else, I mean, I'll talk about whatever you want, puppies, ice cream, or bikes. You can get a hold of me at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can send me an email at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and cheers! Well, we've reached the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike Podcast. Number 18 is in the books. And just like to thank our sponsors for the Just Go Bike Podcast. Big thanks to Primal Wear, uh, the official jersey manufacturer of Ragbri. If you're looking for some great custom apparel, check it out at Primal. Also, Bikes to You, a bike shop in Grinnell, Iowa, also a Ragbri charter. And Craig and April Cooper have been uh, involved with Bikes to You for a long, long time. And just super folks and super bike mechanics as well. And last but not least, Think Iowa City. They're the host of the Grand Gable bike event. It's been going on for, for several years. And also the UCI World Cup Cyclocross Championships. So um, just a great biking town as well. And good folks over there. So so appreciate all the support for the Just Go Bike podcast. That's awesome. Hey, I'm going to put in a shameless plug for Iowa City because we're going to be doing a Tuesday night ride from a 30 hop over to Big Grove. So if you want to find out how awesome Think Iowa City is, come on over every Tuesday, 6 p.m. You can Sweet. you can find our show notes and all other old episodes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? Find us on the usual channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at justgobike. Be sure to subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast and join us next week for more. We always close out with a cycling quote or just some words of wisdom. And I want to leave you with some words from Bobby Weir from The Grateful Dead. He says, bicycles are almost as good as guitars for meeting girls. That can't get you motivated to just go bike. I don't know what can. So, hey, let's rock on and let's just go bike. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.